I mentioned the importance of cultivating stable attention. And I would uh, encourage you to get into uh, a bit of knowledge around that and studying the nine stages, the nine stages of cultivating stable attention called shamatha in the Tibetan tra tradition based on a text by another Indian master, Kamala Shila, who wrote a text called The Stages of Meditation. And there's a lot of um, good... Uh, good advice in that book and how to navigate the, these uh, stages. I have been teaching these nine stages in Malmö, or I'm, I'm in the middle of it. So if you're interested, you can listen to the teachings. Uh, I put them onto SoundCloud, where I, gave, I go uh, through the stages one by one. And one of the, one of the things within uh, this uh, development of stable attention is uh, you know, how do we relate to dullness, how do we work with dullness, with drowsiness. So how to bring, how to rise, to how to raise the energy in our consciousness, how to bring more joy into sitting, like more like yesterday, I mentioned, wow, it's so amazing. Just before the break, you know, people were like nodding away and suddenly, bing. Yeah. So the conscious energy was there, but uh, something was missing because uh, you could access this energy immediately by talking with someone. So, so it's like, how can we, how can we, allow this to happen in our meditation practice. So that when we sit down, it's not like, uh, but bing. Yeah? And uh, that's of course, uh, it's, it, it's, it needs some experimentation. And uh, so dullness is, um, dullness is really a, of course, initially we work more with destruction, yeah? but uh, dinus is a somewhat more challenging, uh, challenging thing because dinus is seductive. Dinus feels good. So we might get uh, into a place in our meditation practice where we actually cultivate dinus and we, we think that we get somewhere. So this is, it's quite easy to uh, identify destruction, but it's not so easy to identify dullness. And on top, on top of that, something in us likes to go towards dullness. And for many, many people uh, who think they meditate, they actually just get more and more lost in dullness. And they're not even know about it or they and that's not only in our culture so, uh, like this uh, it's a point Lama Tsongkhapa uh, made very clearly in his description of the nine stages saying yeah, there's a lot of yogis and yoginis sitting in their cage and they cultivate dullness mm -hmm. 
Dullness is a dead end. It's not bringing us closer to awakening. It's a dead end. Uh, it has its place, of course. Yeah, so I'm not saying uh, there should be time for this in our life. We should lie on our couch and be spaced out. So it's not like that I want to make it uh, into like an enemy. But we have to learn that that's lying on the couch and spacing out is something else than meditation. And of course, if our intention to meditate is to feel a bit more relaxed and have a bit of a break, uh, then yeah, so fine. But uh, from, from the point of view, from the Buddhist point of view, that is just a temporary rest, a temporary break. So be aware when your meditation turns into a comfort-seeking of dullness. So this would be like, uh, like, oh, this feels so it's so wonderful. You know, some meditation music in the background, some incense smell, and then it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such wonderful, it's so wonderful to meditate. <laughs> yeah? And you can see many people would say that is meditation. I mean, you know, when I put um, meditation on inside time, and then people write, oh, it would be so nice to have some music in, ba- in the background <laughs> and some birds singing. Yeah? And a lot of the meditation on inside time are like that. So and and that's that's uh, that's fine as a as a way to kind of relax in the evening and, but it's not meditation and it's not going to uh, uh, make you free it's just uh, and then again personally I prefer Carlsberg uh, for this kind of experience yeah. I, I would never to I would never listen to a guided meditation with some meditation music in the background. (laughs) So the whole, a lot of the meditation, uh, so-called meditation market market is is actually about this uh, short-term relaxation, which is, you know, it has its place and its value. So what to do? Yeah, first you need to become aware. Yeah? So you need to you need to you need to get to distinguish between a, a, like a bright, clear mind, awake, uh, a mind where the meditation object is crisp and clear, so that you can see more and more the details, more and more the more, more and more the reality of the meditation object and a mind which is kind of stable but 
it lacks this awakeness, this clarity, this curiosity, this childlike wonder, this, wow, this is so amazing, yeah, breath, sensations. So it's two different, and of course there is like a, a it's a continuum, yeah, but uh, so we need to, we need to get to know this, this difference. So in meditation, we want to uh, we we want to see things clearer, brighter, uh, uh, crisp, not more dull and more more cloudy and and more hazy, so that we have a moment of uh, kind of comfort because there's a, a cloud between us and our experience. And there's a lot of uh, you know kind of things we can we can uh, we can experiment with. One is sleep enough. Very important for a professional meditator, at least eight hours, I would say. Some people can do it with less, but. It seems to be like a, a good average. No, I remember this uh, this teacher. You know, uh, it was in a retreat meditating on emptiness. He said in the beginning, the most important thing if you want to meditate on emptiness is to sleep enough. You can't meditate on emptiness when you when you when your mind is tired. When yeah, so when you are exhausted. So the topic of rest comes also in, in, in this text. So we need to be uh, uh, really expert in how to rest. And so this, of course, is diet, enough exercise. So to, that diet and, uh, is also, uh, uh, comes also up in this text. Diet, rest, yeah, going slowly, not overextending yourself, taking care of yourself. Then uh, probably it makes sense uh, to have not too long meditation sessions. That's in general more the direction in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition is rather short sessions and a few of them, like then one long session of an hour where you just drift into dullness after 10 minutes. Then rather, okay, 10 minutes, strong intention, and you have the conscious energy to uh, to really explore your experience. Acceptance of dullness and drowsiness is a good start. So, because uh, any kind of um, inner struggle, inner tension, 
makes you tired, takes away conscious energy. So that's why also the practice of confession is so important and the practice of morality because any kind of inner you know guilt and shame and and regret and, and so all that all that takes away energy from from the, your pool which is available and and then this will increase your dullness so if you start to fight the dullness if you start to fight the uh, sleepiness then you increase the dullness because it takes energy. So acceptance is is a good start you know, to get to uh, to get uh, um, not not to make it an enemy. Posture is 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 important. Yeah, to become aware of the posture. So. Don't 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 be too sloppy with your posture. On the other hand, don't be too tense. Yeah. So it's fine to lie down. That's the meditation posture. Yeah. Uh, but don't do it like the way you would lie down for a nap. So be aware how you sit. Train yourself to be dignified in your meditation posture and try to bring this also into your daily life. Be aware how you sit. And you can always kind of bring a bit more, I mean, not if you are really exhausted, yeah, but <laughs> if there's some, some, some space for, for experimentation, you, the posture is, can, can really make a difference. Open your chest, soften the front, Feel the strong back, and, and that that can that can lift your energy. One of the important things is um, to be fascinated, to be curious about the meditation object. Well, there's this warrior saying: "Meditate like your hair is on fire." <laughs> It's maybe a bit too intense for us, but uh, but it's like this. Uh, so death, you remember death, but you also you know you 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 try to find this curious child in you. You know, it's like a child waking up at Christmas Eve. You know, it's like wow. <laughs> <laughs> Children, they still have that. They wake up and it's the new day and it's everything is just fascinating and amazing and that is still in you. It just needs to be seen and, and nurtured and and uh, a bit inspired. Yeah, that uh, every breath is a miracle. Every breath is breath is a is a is a landscape to explore. You know, for us, it's like we have lost the beginner's mind. So we are like, oh, breathing. Yeah, I've, I've looked at that. You know. It's the same. <laughs> and again, it's the same. But it isn't the same. So how can you, and that's very personal, how can you, how can you bring this, you know, like being a child poking hours with a little stick in the garden. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, they they can do things again and again and again, you know, and the adults, they get tired after three times. No, not again, it's the same, you know, we have done this before. But for them, it's fresh. So this also means that you have to take responsible, uh, responsibility for your meditation practice. Don't let other people say what you should be interested in. It might have worked for the teacher, but that does not mean that it works for you. You need to be responsible for what you want to have as your primary meditation object. And then, and then if you fall in love with your primary meditation object, that's like... I mean, primary meditation object doesn't mean that you have to have the same object uh, in each meditation practice, but that what you want to have in the foreground of your experience for this session. And then you go for it. But that needs to be something you are naturally attracted to, something you're interested in. And then you will notice, wow, there's sudden there's energy then, because there's this curiosity, this appreciation. So how, if you have a breath as, a, as one of the primary objects in your meditation practice, how can you make it fascinating for you? Like, you know, so why are you tired uh, when you are, do a breathing meditation and then you turn to Netflix? Ah, yeah! <laughs> Bing! So you, you, have to, you, you have to play with that. Yeah, so you know you you have access to that kind of energy. If something inter if something interested happens, then suddenly the energy is there. So somehow the meditation object needs to become that interesting. So that at one point when you sit down to meditate, it's like being. It's not the nodding meditation. And then you know, then people saying after, oh, it was such a good meditation. I I I, did, I was I didn't know where I was and time was no time was time disappeared and my body disappeared. That was probably the fifth absorption or something like that. And it was just it was just spacing out and and, and having a being in the uh, hypnagogic state. You know, just this place where you. Where you almost fall fall asleep. So this. Uh, so, what can also help is that you put up some questions or some. Some challenges into the meditation practice. For example, with the breath. Um, there's one practice uh, where you explore the sensation connected with the breath in the whole body. So the instructions would be, bring your attention to your hands and notice sensations connected with the breath in your hands. So th that's like the challenge. It doesn't matter if you ever find sensations connected with the breath. What matters is that this question makes you curious, so you look. Ah, yeah, sensations 
connected with the breath in my hands. So is there something? Wow, yeah. So it's like you, 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 you spark your mind and you, you, you start to investigate and you become curious. Or then you could also ask, okay, the sensation, the sensation in my hands, right and left, are they different? And then you, and then you, then you look. Okay, the sensations in, in my right hand is it different than in my left hand? And that's that's kind of setting the intention to be curious, and that raises the the conscious energy. So those of you who are who are listening to lectures, yeah, like uh, as you no. Know, Maybe you remember when you were a student, you had also had to struggle with this. Yeah? So how, so like, no, one, I remember one trick I did, I tried to fall in love with the teacher. Yeah? It helped when it was a female teacher. Because, you know, that was like, or I tried to fall in love with a girl in the class. Yeah? Because that kind of, that was raising my energy, my alertness. And I could I could listen to what is with what what was being said. So uh, right now, actually, you 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 are doing it. I mean, you are working with this, and you are not going to hear about forty percent of what I'm saying. So I need to squeeze it into the sixty percent. But you are right now. You are constantly uh, uh, working with destruction. So blah, 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 your comments and you know, how you would say it or how stupid it was what I said or how the other teacher said it, gone. And then you notice it and you come back. Or, as I can see now in, in some of you, you're almost like this. So then you notice, hey, yeah, Beth, better I'm listen. Better I get some... So, so you... It, so it's not alien to you. It's something you you know from your life. And then if you and and the 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 conscious energy, it's there. It's there. But how do to access it? How to how to get there? How to let it shine? Yes. I noticed. I have I have uh, some difficulty in hearing. Yeah. And. Uh, then I learned from some people who really have difficulty in hearing to read the lips. Yeah. And I noticed now, I noticed when I was uh, at the retreat this summer also that I, I, uh, I probably look at the lips, your lips. Yeah. And then I realized it's like, it's not only that I can hear better, but it's like I'm uh, embodying the movement. Uh, of your lips, mirroring mm -hmm. it, yes. taking, bringing it to me. So I have a feeling of also uh, moving mm -hmm. my lips to mm -hmm. this, and that uh, it, it's like uh, uh, I feel like I'm embodying directly mm -hmm. what you're saying mm -hmm. when I have this concentration, that, mm -hmm. and I'm really exploring it. It's so fascinating. Yeah. So uh, this of is, of course, I mean, maybe yeah. it's disturbing for you. This, uh, no, it's not disturbing for me. <laughs> Finally, someone is listening. <laughs> but, but, 
but this is this is no what you say. It was so. It is so fascinating. That's what you say. And and that's it. So it was so fascinating. How how can we learn to say this uh, with with the objects we want to work with? Yeah. And yes, and this is like a something you discovered, a little trick or something, you know. So there's many things like that we can do to keep that spark of uh, curiosity, of attention, of conscious energy. So then there's uh, some, some practices. Um, you know, if you are interested in kind of working on the subtle energy body level, like with the, you know, so with the chi, with the prana, uh, with the channels, with the chakras. So that's also, you know, maybe you have learned certain breathing practices. Maybe you can, you, you, are, you have learned practices of raising your energy from the lower chakras. Yeah? So there's kind of visualizations. Uh, I, many years ago, I, I did a long retreat in California where we had uh, Qigong lessons every day. Uh, so th that was very good. But the best was, in the same time, I was uh, doing the dishes together with a breathing a breath therapist. And we were talking. Yeah? Uh, so, and she gave me, gave me other instructions. So what I, and then it was a three months retreat, so there was plenty of time. So what I started to discover that it is possible to do Qigong without moving the body. And that actually moving the body it's just a kind of help for the beginner to get to know the energy. To, but what actually moves the energy in your body is your attention. It's not this. It's because then your mind goes with it and that moves your energy in your body. So, and that was really helpful for me to, to, to get to know I can, I can shift the energies in my body through my attention to my attention and the breath. So you can you can learn to, to raise the, the you know, what is called inner fire in the Tibetan tradition, the Kundalini energy. You can you can learn to to uh, to raise that, and it's it's that's also a fascinating journey again. And if it's a fascinating journey, then your mind will be awake. Will be there will be energy for it. And even direct. Directly energy, so, yeah. yes. Like uh, the, even the scientists uh, found out that if you focus very strongly at one part yeah. of the body, the blood circulation. Yes, it. it's also good for weight weight lifting. Your muscles, yeah, yeah. your yeah. muscles go yeah. quicker if you yeah. uh, if yeah, you. Exactly. So it's contra. It's not very good to do weight lifting while listening to music. It's better to do weight lifting while. Uh, paying attention to the muscles. Uh, yes. So, and 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 so, but this is of course this this is only helpful if you if you're curious if you if this is something which speaks to you. And then and then, and then this uh, this this uh, becomes uh, then that 
it wakes you up because your curiosity is sparked. The, the assumption is that the conscious energy is inexhaustible. So we, you might feel depleted and we need to honor that and we need to, you know, we need to be loyal to that and accept that. But we also can assume, no, the energy is actually there. How can I slowly, slowly get access to that? And so there is uh, this, you know, and there's like a... Um, Different meditations, for example, uh, you know, you 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 look, uh, you you imagine a ball of light at the at the forehead head chakra, and then while you sit, you re you 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 kind of you look towards it, you know, and and your eyes they actually move a little, and then you look up into the light, and this. Uh, so, this is little things, light meditations, yeah. imagining light, uh, sky gazing, open your eyes, learn to meditate with open eyes, sit in nature, yeah. look into the sky, look at the, look at the sea. The, the mentor bonding process can be also lifting you up, lifting the energy up. Then, standing meditation. So instead of, uh, you know, half an hour drowsy meditation, do five minutes standing meditation. Explore the standing posture, the alignment with gravity, the effortless standing. And uh, the Buddha taught four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Don't be too attached to this first one. It's, doesn't, it's like, a, it's not more holy or more sacred, uh, the sitting posture than the standing posture. Then obviously walking meditation. So instead of, uh, you know, half an hour nodding meditation, uh, do 15 minutes walking the dog meditation. But what makes you uh, aware, really aware of how dosy you can be is like eating just before meditation. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's a, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the difference of walking a dog and walking a dog meditation? Walking and? Walking a dog. Yeah. And doing instead walking a dog meditation. Ah, what's, walking what's a dog. Uh, it depends what uh, what is your primary meditation object. So walking a, a dog walking a dog meditation would be, uh, for example. Uh, keeping the warm-heartedness to your dog in the foreground of your experience and not the work in your office. Or uh, you walk the dog and you investigate into the question, who is walking the dog? Mm -hmm. 
emptiness meditation. Or you uh, do walking the dog um, sensation in your feet meditation. Yeah, so that's the difference. So there's many variations how you can walk the dog. <laughs> so that's like no that's that's what I mean the primary meditation object for that session needs to be clear you're not sitting down and saying okay I'm meditating and then I come Stefan comes and says what are you meditating upon yeah I don't know I don't know what I'm meditating on that's not meditation you need to be clear what is the primary meditation object of this session intention. And what that is, oh, in the Tibetan tradition, is a big toolbox. So that can be all kinds of stuff. What do you want to work on? What do you want to cultivate? What is, you know, what is, uh, what is, so that has to be clear. And then you have to set an intention and you have to narrow down the scape of your attention to that. So what is important, I said that too often, but uh, what, what is good to, 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 be, to be clear about narrowing down the scope of your attention to the meditation object does not mean that you exclude all the other thing. That's also all happening. And there needs to be enough consciousness and conscious energy for having an eye on all of that also. So narrowing down the scope of your attention means it, it, that, is, that is what comes to the foreground. But in peripheral, peripheral awareness, there's space for the thoughts and for the sounds and for the discomfort in your body. All that is also happening but it's not your primary focus. You lovingly ignore it. So how do you go about to find the, that, what is the primary focus for mind? That's a good question, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Mm. Yeah. I have found out that walking with a grandchild is very good meditation. What? what? Walking with a grandchild. Yes. Yes. It's a very good meditation, yeah. for me anyway. Yes. Uh, I, I, so, this is a good question and this is something uh, when I mentor people, what I talk about with people, like exploring together. So, what is it, you know, what is what would be wholesome for you? What, uh, what are you curious about? What, is, what speaks to you? What does make sense to you? So that's like, it's a bit of a discovery. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and I, I think at one point after some, some years of trial, trial and error, <laughs> You, you just you just find your you just find a certain <coughs> set of primary practices. It's probably not only one if you are in the Tibetan tradition. 
If you want to have it more simple, simple do sen. <laughs> then, then you just, you know, they tell you what to do. But in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, it's more, there, there's a lot of variation. But after some time, then I think you, you find the shoe which fits you. It's like, you, it feels like, ah, yeah, okay. This is what I do now. There's a lot of other things I can do, but this is this is now what I'm exploring. This is now what I'm engaging with. And this is not solid. So there's different times in your life where then you shift again, or also sometimes the mind gets too bored. So you have to present it with something else. And then uh, to be to kind of to trust the process. Yeah? So not to think, oh, I have to do all of this and this and this and then there's that and that mantra and so, but to trust the process. Okay, this is now what is presenting myself because I've learned this from this teacher and it makes sense to me and now, now I go for this and I do it like that. Uh, and that's fine. I don't need to f doubt the whole time. Is that now the right meditation? Because uh, there's a lot of things to explore and we have all the time we need. So it's, it's not, uh, we don't need to do everything at one, at, at one certain period in our life. So we go slowly. Uh, let's see if there's something else about dullness, sleepiness. Oh, I think that's about it. If I remember something else, I will add it. Any questions to this? You said that the name of the book was The Nine Stages of Meditation. Uh, yeah. Uh, stages of Meditation. But uh, uh, if you want to read something about it, maybe you start with uh, Attention Revolution by Ellen Wallace. Attention Revolution? Yeah. Ellen because uh, these traditional texts, they, they, they need commentary. They need you know, they need practical, I mean, it's all in there, but it's quite difficult to unpack, unpack as like a manual something, yeah. So there is uh, this and a very uh, detailed book is uh, The Illuminated Mind by Kula Dasa. That's his name. But that's really like, if you want to have a lot of details about this, but very practical manual. And both base their teachings on uh, Kamalisha, Kamalisha's text. <coughs> I had that uh, Alan Wallace as yeah. a PDF with someone from school that can sell it. Yeah. You have, I don't know, many find it on the cover. Yeah, but it's good to. It's possible to write them in Facebook. Yeah, but those yeah. titles. I could put it there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, we, we talked about it during the break, that it would be interesting to have like a list of books 
if I if uh, people have uh, <coughs> favorite books to put on Facebook, it would be nice to share. Yeah. The problem is uh, <laughs> the problem is reading will not awaken you. No, <laughs> no it's, uh, it's, no, it's, part, it's <laughs> part of the process. Yes, of it's part of the process. Yeah, <laughs> but also there, it's it's more important uh, um, to to really chew and uh, on on something mm. and and go slow and uh, so. Um, it's good to find a balance there. Mm. But these this two books, uh, I have read a lot of books uh, around you know, stable attention, and, but I feel these two are the, the most uh, inspiring and uh, rich uh, available right now for us. And both are written from people who are actually doing it. They are written from experienced people and not from some Tibetan geishas who just study the text and never meditated. So they can teach the text, uh, but it's not backed up by their own experience. So, and Alan Wallace uh, and also Kuladasa, they they went through this, and, and and they put their own words on it, and that makes it so helpful. And also they present it as something which is reachable for us. Yeah, I think that's about dullness. So I want to repeat, now it's not about feeling bad or judging yourself or being too critical. Yeah. So uh, remember, the good start is to accept where you are and what your experience is. And then slowly fine-tune. Yeah. Can I ask? Yeah. Um, so there is dullness. And then, so what if you sit down and you feel very anxious and overwhelmed with all the... Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's uh, that's very uh, very important questions, which uh, would need a weekend. Uh, so, um, what do I say? Uh, I think. One thing is what I mentioned before is to drop the comfort-seeking mind as much as possible. Uh, meditation is risky. And I mean dull meditation with some soft music in the background is not risky, but real meditation is risky. So what I mean with that is stuff comes up and it's good. It's good that stuff comes up. And that stuff comes up does not mean that the meditation brought it up or that the meditation created it. It's just an opportunity for us to be aware of what is happening. And what you want to heal, you need to touch. What you want to transform, you need to be aware of. So if uh, difficulties come up and 
difficult, difficult stuff will come up in serious meditation. It's unavoidable. It's part of the healing process. It's part of the purification process. Uh, it's a good sign. Of course, uh, when someone asks a question like that, what they actually ask is, how can I get rid of it? But that's not the point. Yeah. Be with it. Yeah. So that's the question. How can I be with it? How can I be more peaceful with it? And there's so there's many things you you bring into the toolbox. Uh, one is uh, to learn to uh, be present to a difficult experience without getting overwhelmed or or without getting entangled in it. So to become intimate with your experience without losing yourself in it. If that is happening, that you constantly lose yourself, then you need to find techniques which stabilize you, which strengthen the container so that the difficult experience can be held in a loving way. Otherwise, you would re-traumatize yourself. So you would just repeat the same experience and there wouldn't be any, any development, any, any healing. So you would create more and more of that karma. It might, it, it might even, anxiousness might even get worse because you kind of, you, 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 you trigger again more reactivity, more reactivity. So then, then you would have to learn uh, practices of uh, broadening the container, practice of grounding, practicing of connecting with parts of your body where there's no anxiety or less anxiety. Then probably if it's really something difficult, you would need another person to create a bigger space so that if you can't create the space yourself to hold something something lovingly, take another person who, who gives you, who helps you temporary to create that space. So you hold it together. And then and then what happens in therapy or with a mentor, you start to internalize the, the mentor. You start to internal, internalize the therapist. He becomes part of you. And then the space again is there for, for looking at the experience. Then there is, uh, there is the practices of the mentor bonding process. So you call some help. Uh, so, and you do these practices where in a way for some time you turn away a bit from the experience. Yeah? So, but that's not like because you want to escape but you, you, you do it intentionally. You notice this is too much. So where can I ground myself? Where can I get help in order to go back? Yeah. And then if you are able to hold a difficult experience like anxiety or grief within your awareness, and definitely you have the capacity to do that. The... the, the the power of your of your consciousness to hold a, diff a difficult experience is is immense. It's amazing. The whole human catastrophe fits into your consciousness. You, you can hold it lovingly. I mean, His Holiness does, and we can be like him. Uh, and then, so once you are able to hold it 
then you investigate into the reality of it. So you look at the three characteristics. Vipassana. Vipassana. So Vipassana means to look at your experience in a certain way with the view of the three characteristics. Anicca, Dukkha and Anatta. And then, and, then, and then you start to see what it really is. So you strip it down from the projections. You, you, you look into the reality. And reality is a safe place. Fantasy is difficult, but reality is a safe place. So you break it down, the difficult experience, into its components. And this whole process then, that is what is meant with purifying karma. That is the healing. That is uh, in, the, in the training of uh, shamatha, it's called unifying the mind. So it's like uh, that's how you, how you, how you uh, heal, heal the whole thing. And that's why it's good when difficult things come up. There's too little talk about this. That, uh, that meditation has to have a destabilizing effect in order to really do something. And of course, when people teach mindfulness or something like this, they don't talk about it. You can't sell this to people. Yeah? I have a product here mindfulness and it will bring the shit up in your life <laughs> buy it yeah no. you have to talk about the wonderful things and and then people sometimes get into trouble i mean if they by chance really meditate them and so also in retreat i mean it's like in retreat, difficult things come up. So, and then there's much more to say to this. Yeah? So, this is just uh, a small introduction. But Stefan, isn't there a whole weekend online when you were teaching in London on this? Yeah, there's a lot of talks also on my SoundCloud profile. But mm -hmm. uh, in London, I talked about. Uh, how to relate to fear, mm -hmm. yeah. How, how to relate to fear, to fear. It's a, and it's video. It's video. Meridian Trust, yeah, uh, Buddhist. Trust. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So there, I present some of the things in the toolbox, in the Tibetan Buddhist toolbox, how to relate to a. Uh, to a difficult experience. And fear, anxiety is one of the most difficult to commit to because it's so, it's so, it seems to be so, so impossible to make friends with anxiety. 